are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast and news update. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, along with my partner in crime. John, some sports guy Hickman, where this show was brought to you by Bill Bar. Bill Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Can't beat that. Go to BillBar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your first order. Super happy to be back today on a Tuesday where, uh, what, what Cody, what I used to call this, uh, a slow grind day when we, uh, in regards to news, when we look around and what's going on with the Houston Texans, because that's the reason why you are here. And, you know, really was a stretch where it's like, uh, what's, what can we really talk about, right? But, you know, when you have a organization that is always in the news, whether it's been for trades in the last year, whether it's been for questionable coaching calls, whether it's been for blowing a 24-point lead, there's always something you can talk about. Yesterday, we told you guys that the Texans hired Curtis Goodwin as a performance data specialist. He's a former mathematics chair and assistant basketball coach at Boswell High School in Fort Worth. They also hired Kevin Clark as a football data and applications engineer, who was previously the research and data development data engineer for the Arizona Coyotes. And you want to ask yourself, what are they going to do? Well, they will be they will be heading into the analytics department in order to help with the coaching with numbers. And if you are listening to the Houston Texans show or a show about the Houston Texans, and I'm pretty sure that you have listened to a show, watched the broadcast on TNT, seen the Rockets play, and how big analytics had been for the Rockets for the last. You know, since Darren Morey has arrived here in Houston, now the Texans are looking to go a little bit that route to boost up their analytics department with those two hires. And this is what I'll say about this, about this hire. Uh, Bill O'Brien and Tim Kelly ranked third most aggressive on fourth downs. The, the Texas analytics coordinator, Willa Ross, thesis was t- entitled An Examination of Decision-Making Biases on fourth down at the National Football League. What that means to me is they are going to really take an analytic look at the numbers to see what works in different positions, different, you know, downs, whether it's fourth down, third downs, the advantages you can use against teams in order to win games based off the numbers. And I, I know, Cody, you 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 have been both of us have been adamant about just kind of, you know, just to say it, screw the numbers. The game is really won on the field or the court. There's only so much numbers can do. But when I look at what this can do for the Houston Texans, the GM is not a numbers guy. And that's why, you know, I wanted to bring those comparisons up, but Darren Morey is the numbers guy who's also the general manager for the uh, Houston Rockets. Bill O'Brien, you know, he's hiring number guys for the analytic department in order to get, I would say, assistance with decision making, which is okay. I'm okay with that because 
you know, in that playoff game alone, you did not go for it when it was the better time to go for it. You went for it when it was the worst time to go for it. Bill O'Brien has been criticized and crucified because of his decision-making for a very long time. I'm okay with this hire because I know Bill O'Brien will not become an analytic guy. He's just going to have those guys there in order to help him make better decisions. I do not like analytic guys. And I, and this is coming from a guy who is not only a Rockets fan, but I actually covered the Rockets to the point I'm inside the arena. I'm talking to these guys. Well, I was talking to these guys before the coronavirus hit, but analytics teams, they are good. But what I don't want to happen with the Texans is the same thing that has happened with the Houston Rockets. You forget common sense. I do not want to see the Texans go down the same route as the Houston Rockets messing around with these analytics and numbers. It doesn't make sense. Numbers do not win you a game. Common sense in these sports win you a game and a championship. John, Daryl Morey has been here, and and to me, and I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm right about this, but there is nobody in, in sports right now who is more caught up in analytics more so than Daryl Morey. And, and don't get me wrong. Like I say, not only am I a Rockets insider, I'm also a Rockets fan who grew up on this team. I've been in love with the Rockets since 2003 when I moved here from New Orleans. But, yes, the Rockets have, have been good. But, John, I want you to just answer. I just want you to answer this question and this question alone, okay? How many championships have the Houston Rockets won since they went fully analytics since 2008? Just answer that question for me. Absolutely none. And exactly. I would also go further to say that the Houston Rockets have not won a championship due to analytics. Exactly. It's And no disrespect to analytics teams, but... When you have a, a, a team that's solely on analytics, and I and I and I don't and I don't think the Texans are gonna get like that. One, I think Bill O'Brien is too old school and too caught up trying to be the next Bill Belichick. Analytics teams are only good for the regular regular season. But when it really matters, we've seen this in basketball, we have seen this in baseball. The teams that automatically win the championships are teams who do not depend on analytics hell i listened to an interview with shan battier talking about remember in 2009 when they had the playoff series against the lakers and he was talking about how he was using these numbers of analytics of trying to slow down kobe Bryant. that that only worked for one damn game game two kobe lit us up for 42 and look who won the series and the championship that year i i don't like analytics i feel like it takes away from the common knowledge of the sport itself. And we're seeing it with one Houston team. And I get the Astros do analytics, but they only do it to a certain extent. I don't want to see the Texans. Hey, I don't want to see them using it at all. Because this year is definitely not the year. Because if anything goes wrong, we could possibly lose our franchise quarterback. But two. I just don't want to see this team say, you know what, the numbers say, the numbers say, the numbers say, and we end up like 
the other Houston team where you get so close, but you just can't get over that that hump. You can't get over that mountain. I'm sorry, John. I, I'm just not a big fan of analytics. I, I'm not. I, I I can get using the analytic on certain players, on certain teams, trying to gain an advantage, but to have your whole entire team, your whole entire office built on analytics is just the wrong move to me. I'm sorry. I'll say this. The analytics will help for back, uh, for offense and defense, right? But the analytics will do things like, hey, Bill O'Brien, numbers say it makes more sense to go for it here in this position of the field than it would with a fake punt on this position of the field. And you mentioned but- that common sense wins championships and common sense does a lot of things. I think in this case, the numbers will help the common sense of this coaching staff. But John, that that description that you just gave, that's not an analytic standpoint. That is a common knowledge that Bill O'Brien just screwed up on that particular play. That's all that is. Neither one of us are analytic guys, but we could have told Bill O'Brien to go for it other than trying to do a fake punt. That has nothing to do with analytics. That was just a dumb move by Bill O'Brien. I'm I'm sorry. Well, I'll tell you what was a good move. We talked about it yesterday, bringing in those veterans, and now Deshaun Watson cannot wait to lead them. We're going to talk about that today. Also, Cody, what do you have in mind? You know what? With everything that's going on, we actually want to have some little fun and talk about who is going to be the most important rookie heading into the 2020 season. Not the best, but the most important rookie. I have my guy. John has his guy. We're going to get into that next. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Built Bars are tasty. Not none of that bland, no flavor bars. No, none of that. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Who doesn't like candy bar? Snickers, Mr. Good Bar, the whole nine. But it's just a little bit more better for you. 16 amazing flavors. Eight chocolate nut flavors. Eight chocolate nut free flavors. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy like me. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, which is what you really need if you're really trying to get a little bit healthier. Flavor profile here, peanut butter brownie, 20 grams protein, 170 calories, 3 grams sugar, 3 grams net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Again, that is promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. The Texans went into the draft with a lot of people scratching their head, kind of nervous of what they're going to do. You already gave up DeAndre Hopkins. You had a hole to fill on the defensive side of the ball with the departure earlier in the season, well, prior to the season in Jadavion Clowney. And they actually came away pretty good. Five picks, and all five of these picks, with the exception of possibly, no, all five of these picks were very, very good on the Texas standpoint. We already talked about it. I believe I gave them a B minus. Is due. I believe I gave them a B minus or or a solid B. I can't remember one. I can't remember which one it was about their draft. And I only gave them a B because they traded all three of their seven round picks. But at the end of the day, it has me wondering who's going to be the most important rookie for the Texans heading into the 2020 season. 
with that being said, John, I'm gonna let you lead the way first. Are you well, ready? I'll, yes, I, I am ready, and I think it's clear as day for me. It's Jonathan Ganoa. We need pressure from the outside. We need somebody that'll be able to, uh, I, I would say, possibly be the successor for J.J. Watt. We also heard that J.J. Watt will not reveal plans of what Anthony Weaver has planned for him with his defense. I believe J.J. Watt will slide in a, a very good percentage of the time this year. I, I don't think he will be out, you know, at that edge spot, at the plan of five technique a lot this year. And J.J. Watt done, had done, I'm sorry, J.J. Watt does a lot of damage from the inside with that three technique. If you can match J.J. Watt with Ross Blacklock, that'll be phenomenal with causing pressure up the middle. That's what Jonathan and Jonathan Grenard and Whitney Merciless comes in. When we look at Jonathan Grenard, he's very athletic. He has the ability to use his athleticism to cause pressure in the backfield. Very great at tackles for loss. You know, was an SEC defensive player of the year with 10 sacks last year. I think what he can do for this defense will be a bump above what we had expected Charles Charles Omenehu to do. Um, and a lot of the other second and third year guys because of his athleticism. And what I think his presence will bring is that he, he will be able to allow everybody else to execute in their situations. I also think he will start off as a situational player come in on a second down here, come in on a third down there. But I think eventually he will solidify his role with the Houston Texans. As a rookie, I can see him getting about five and a half to six sacks this year. But those five and a half and six sacks will be, you know, tremendously needed because we'll be able to say, well, he has the opportunity to be here for the future and we can slide J.J. White on down and help not only mentor Black, Ross Blacklock, also mentor Grenard and allow everybody else to get more time in the situations that they're good at. I agree with everything that you said, and that's why I wanted to distinguish between the best and the most important. Because you know me, John, ever since we drafted Grenard, I've been on his tail. Like I've, I am probably the biggest Grenard fan. And that's why I didn't want to pick him because one, I'll be, I'll feel like I will be just regurgitating everything that I've just said. But two, I truly feel that he's going to be the best player coming out of this draft. But me personally, when I look at the most important player, the guy that I'm looking at is Isaiah Coulter. And I only say that because when you look at this Texans receiving core, and this core is going to be under a magnifying glass through the entire 2020 season. This core has two guys who can arguably be Deshaun Watson's 1-8 in, in, in 2A, which is Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks. But both of these guys, especially Will Fuller, both of these guys are injury prone. You don't know how many games Will Fuller is going to give you. Brandon Cooks, and I'm not trying to be funny, but he has had a lot of problems with concussions. You even got to take a look at Kenny Steels. He's another guy who has had a couple problems staying healthy. Now, it hasn't resulted into him missing games, but last season there was a couple times when we got the news from the Texans um, media relations people 
you know, when they sent us the list of the players who are who are going to be active, inactive, and questionable, Theo's name was on the questionable list. Thankfully, it, he was good enough to be able to play. And when you take a look at the top four receivers on this team, and yes, I'm including Randall Cobb because you never know what's going to happen. If one of these players go down, Isaiah is going to be the guy who's going to have to step up and pick up the slack for not only this receiving core, but for Deshaun Watson as well. Because the main purpose you can justify of getting rid of Hopkins, you want this team to be more versatile. But what does that help knowing that, okay, you got rid of Hopkins because you want to be more versatile. So you bring in Brandon Cooks to be your deep threat receiver. If he's out, who's going to step in to be that deep threat receiver? Yes, Randall Cobb could easily step in, but then who's going to step in for Cobb to be to to play in the slot. Well, I mean, I, I can really see your point, uh, especially considering the main emphasis on not only the Hopkins trade, just the entire offense was off. So sorry, the entire off season was to get depth, and obviously you you did your homework on this guy. You believe he's somebody that can affect your wide receiver core in a positive way. So that's why you brought him in. I think maybe you be you may be a little bit too high on him. Uh, but the same can be said about me and Bernard. Uh, so just two different perspectives. And we both just skipped over the number 40 overall pick in this NFL draft, Ross Blacklock. Not on purpose. I think we were just looking at the needs of the team that needs to improve, right? And so uh, I, I can see a point simply because Bill O'Brien asked for depth. That's what he wants. That's what he is creating with this team. I don't I don't want you or the listeners to get confused thinking that I'm so high on Isaiah because I picked him as the Texans most important player. But all I'm saying is the main purpose of getting rid of Hopkins is because you want to be more versatile. How can you be versatile if one of the four guys you are depending on is not on the field and you know how fragile Will Fuller is if he's not on the team, if if one of these players miss a significant amount of time due to injury is going to be on Isaiah to step up and, and, and pick up the slack on where these, where these players left off. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how great Deshaun Watson plays. It doesn't matter how great the defense plays. It doesn't matter how great the production of the backfield come from. The most important position heading into this new season is going to be that receiving core. And if they fall short of any, if, if they fall short, of making this team better than what they was in years prior, especially losing Hopkins, it's going to be bad for this team. It's going to truly be bad. They're going to need all hands on deck to make sure that they do their job in 2020. I'm talking for Cooks, Cobb, Fuller, Steels, and Coulter. As you guys have heard multiple times on this show, I am one of the big fellas uh, in the Locked On Podcast family and I play some offensive line in my day, and a lot of times we get overlooked. Well, this offseason, Larry Tunsil signed that mega deal heading into next year. $22 million per year, three years, $66 million overall with, I believe, 54 guaranteed. And that was one of the highlights. Right now, another highlight that I want to bring up is the Texans will be going into his second year, right tackle Titus Howard says he is still in the rehab process. 
As we know, in week six, Howard partially tore his MCL in his right knee while he made it back for weeks nine through 12, which had a bye week sandwich in between. Howard was placed on injury reserve shortly before the club's week 13 showdown against the New England Patriots. Right now, Howard says he is feeling pretty good, which he told Drew Daugherty of Texas TV. He's still in the rehab process. He's very excited to be ready for next season, and he's just ready to get back on the field and do what he can to help his team win football games. I got to tell you, this offensive line, healthy, can shape up really good. Now, we know that Zach Fulton reconstructed his deal, you know, which gives the Texans a lot of leeway for the 2021-2022 season. Granted, that's good, but he's also very good at pass blocking. We know that we just locked in Titus Howard, sorry, not Titus Howard, uh, Larry Tunchel for the next three years, have two young studs in Max Sharp in their left guard, Titus Howard at right tackle, and we also have Nick Martin right in the middle. I need for Titus Howard to come back healthy. I don't want him to rush anything. I think the importance of what this team can do, the makeup-wise, will eventually come down to the protection of Deshaun Watson. And this team who drastically cut those numbers down last season as compared to the year prior, they didn't have an offseason together and they did not have a lot of continuity because of how many times players were switched out. You know, one game we see Rod Johnson starting, the next we see Titus Howard and just a lot of ring around the rosies, pocket full of dozies type of play just because of injury and just trying to figure out who and what works best. Titus Howard solidifies this offensive line with Nick Martin at center, the two guards with Foden and Sharp, and of course, Larry Thompson, the big money man on the other side. What Titus Howard does last year, play some guard as well. You know, there was games where Johnson started a tackle and he played some guard, moved him around. I think moving forward, he will solidify himself, himself as a right tackle in this entire offensive line with gain some continuity which will only help who? Deshaun Watson. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys for tuning into another episode of Locked on Texans. I'm John, some sports guy Hickman. You can follow me on Twitter at some sports guy with two Y's at the end. Don't forget to follow the Locked on Texans page on Twitter, Locked on Texans, and like us on Facebook as well. Take time out of your day, if you will. Just do us a favor. And yourself a favor. We have amazing writers that are coming along board now and podcasts at the Houston Sports Press. Check us out, HoustonSportsPress.com. Again, that is HoustonSportsPress.com. Subscribe and follow us on Twitter. Shout us out as well. We love you. Come on and check us out. Talk some sports in the meantime. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. And please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. That's Cody C-O-T-Y. D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Once again, this is Locked On Texans. Remember, you can find this podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, and Spotify, and all of your favorite podcast streaming services. Until next time, peace. You are Locked On Texans. Your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.